Jesus. Someone's gonna break him! Oh god, what did I just pour into my gullet? I have her! I like them on my face. That tongue was huge! I want the guy to be home. Welcome to the fifth episode of the long-awaited Amazing Race Australia 2 recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is a Canadian who has decided it's time for evil, sexy, and normal Logan to come out, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. And the lady who we enjoy pushing the buttons of when we're a little bit bored, Michelle Fierce-Denevin. <laughs> Good morning, yes. The most Michelle intro ever. <laughs> <laughs> you do. <laughs> Although I know when it's going to happen, so that's okay. Yeah, you know what it's going to happen because it's all the time. <laughs> I just watch episodes and go, oh, Michelle's going to hate that bit. Yeah, what have I got in caps on my um, page? I don't have too many caps on this page, so it's okay. I do have a giant, what? <laughs> Wait till we get to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to predict before we've even started properly recording this episode that Michelle is going to have some thoughts about the Paul and Grace situation. Correct. But you do as well. Yeah, I do. Because, I mean, I'm definitely more Team Paul than I was when I watched these episodes originally. I was hoping that Paul would get his comeuppance when I watched them originally, and I'm watching this 11 years later going, oh boy, yeah, I, I think I agree with Paul here <laughs> a lot of the time. So previously, nine teams raced to Dubai, where Paul and Steve became a target, and James and Sarah leapfrogged the competition and won the leg. Not that Grant mentioned this, but Kim and Donna couldn't even make it to the roadblock and were Grant eliminated from the race. And teams must now make their way to the Jumeirah Beach Hotel Marina and await the Dubai Pearl, a traditional Arabian Dow, where the skipper will give them their next clue once it docks. And they have 143 didgery dollaroos for this leg of the race. James and Sarah leave at 5.47am, Sticky and Sam at 5.59, Joseph and Grace at 6.09, Michelle and Joe at 6.10, Shane and Andrew at 7.04, Paul and Steve at 7.49, Ross and Taryn at 8.14, and Lucy and Amelia at 9.42 a.m. <laughs> no, it's a bit of a bigger gap than the previous pit start. It is, and the reason I think it's a 12-hour pit stop is because I did look up when the sunset was, and it was uh, 5.27 p.m. on that day that they filmed, which was the 25th of November, 2011. So that kind of tracks with uh, Sticky and Sam and James and Sarah going to the pit stop. Um, something against what um, Paul said right at the beginning here. Um, yes, so I am not with Paul at this point. Stop defending Grace. No, it's nothing to do with Grace. Um, you know how he said in his intro, he said something like, um, oh, the other teams colluded against us last leg. Um, yeah, there, there's no collusion when they're not actually together. No, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. It's not collusion yet, Paul. Yes. They may have all endorsed it, but it's not collusion. Yes. You may want to ask Grace what the definition of collusion is, because she, she will not know. know. <laughs> if she doesn't know traction, she doesn't know collusion. Joseph, what does collusion mean? Collusion. <laughs> this is like a really explosive <laughs> collusion. A collusion. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> 
So James and Sarah surprise themselves that they could win a leg, and they do better when they focus on the positives, which is definitely something that they're going to do for the next few legs of the race. Oh, I have some... There's some great Sarah scenes that we get before they get out of Dubai. (laughs) Yeah. Joseph and Grace are proving that Grace needs to shut her mouth and that Joseph needs to speak for her, which is always the sign of a modern relationship, even between brother and sister. Grace, just quieten down, please. And the best thing is, Grace is not going to quieten down in this episode. You notice that Grace has a younger brain because when she's reading the clue... The clue says, oh, and she will give you your next clue. And Grace says, she? I've never seen anybody get really enthusiastic if the clue says he or she will give you your next clue. It is also worth pointing out, Joseph and Grace are only about three years apart. It's not like there is a massive age difference between them as siblings. They are pretty close in age, and he is also one of the youngest of the season. It's just that Grace is so juvenile and so immature that she seems far younger than she is. So at the marina, James and Sarah find out that the Dubai Pearl is not docking until 9.30am, and everyone, apart from Lucy and Amelia, is going to catch up. (laughs) I do love that there is a quote being like, yeah, everyone's going to catch up to us now, and you just look at the departure times going, Lucy and Amelia, not so much. They're going to have some stories for the flight to Istanbul. Michelle and Joe say that they were underestimated at the start of the race, but now they think that everyone is waking up to their threat level. That is, of course, Michelle and Joe starting in fourth place in this leg. And Sarah doesn't want them to draw attention to themselves, but the other members of the top four arrive, and James tells them that it is not docking until 9.30. A very vital piece of information, according to Sarah. Yeah, she then gets maybe a little bit frustrated at him, that he thinks about other people too much, and they end up having another fight... And the fight is, of course, capped off by them screaming at each other for about two hours, but being interrupted by someone walking past and screaming and mourning in their face. (laughs) I love unintentional moments like that, where it's just like a proper Barney between them, and then someone just walks past and it's like, Morning! (laughs) Talk today to you! (laughs) Yeah, when Sarah confronts him and says, I can't believe you told them that we'd have to wait until 930 They're going to step on your head when it comes down to it. They're going to step on your head, they're going to step on my head, and if we're really close together, they'll step on both of our heads at the exact same time. And then James says, okay, I understand. I'll I'll check with you first before I give out any sort of information to the other teams. No, you don't get it, do you? Do you have rocks in your head? And it just goes on and on. I was thinking it would have been perfect if they just faded in and out where it ships from Dubai. And then it fades in with Istanbul, and then it's her still going on about the same thing. See, well, you're not even listening to me, James. Do you understand what you've done? Yes, it's been 12 hours. This is like the water bottle thing all over again. Can we move on from this? Jesus Christ. Do you know the best thing about it? This argument actually works in James and Sarah's favor, because them screaming in each other's faces for, let's be honest, about two hours at this point, keeps them away from the rest of the group and stops them having any sort of input in the Grace and Paul situation. There are two teams who do not get involved in the Grace and Paul situation. One of them is James and Sarah because they're screaming at each other. The other is Lucy and Amelia because they're too late to actually be involved in it. Everyone else is implicated in the mire of shit that is the argument between Paul and Grace. 
but they are not because they are screaming at each other. What would have been better too is if Sarah keeps yelling at James and says, "Oh, they're going to step on your head," and it's been two hours and forty-five minutes, and it's fifteen more minutes until the Dow comes, so I can yell at you for fourteen more minutes. Thankfully, we were able to pass all three hours and found something to do. And then they bump into Paul, and it's you were screaming at me. <laughs> you screamed into me, and then Grace asks, "What's a scream?" The other brilliant thing about this argument between James and Sarah is the fact that Sarah starts it off by going, oh, we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. And it's like wandering around the Jumeirah Beach Hotel Marina, screaming at each other for two hours. But it's just like, yeah, we're not going to draw any attention to ourselves, you fucker. Now I'll just put on my hunters and yell at you at the top of my lungs at seven o'clock in the morning in a public space. Shane and Andrew are frustrated with taxi drivers that are used to being in control in their day jobs, and this is the first time they mention Shane and Andrew's really bad luck when it comes to taxis. And in every country so far, they had bad luck with taxis, and their driver goes too far past the marina and has to backtrack. I believe when Paul and Steve show up, all the other teams say, well, I guess the cops got lost, eh? Yeah, I think they're probably in Abu Dhabi right now. Yeah, we've never actually had it mentioned that Shane and Andrew have terrible luck with taxi drivers specifically. Obviously, we've seen it. But this is the first time it's actually lampshaded where it's like, yeah, we have really bad luck when we're not actually driving ourselves. Was Lake 4 their best finish so far? Because Lake 4 was the first time that was a self-drive leg. Because they finished in 5th, I believe. Yeah, so far Lake 4 was their best placement with 5th. They get 5th, obviously, in this leg as well. When they leave, Ross and Taryn have a discussion about how Ross is an inspiration for Taryn, and he's not worried about letting her down, but he's concerned that she may have higher expectations for him. And if this doesn't tell you that they are getting non-eliminated at the end of this leg, I don't know what will. Yeah, it's like, in the end, they're really setting this up here. Massive neon sign that maybe Ross and Taryn are not going to complete this leg. Shane and Andrew's driver takes him to the wrong marina, and Shane loses his temper and refuses to pay him. The teams at the marina then use Paul as a source of amusement. Grace tells him to just read the clue as she's lying there. Paul says that he was a former obese kid, and kids used to bully him, and it's a source of motivation for him now to prove all of the bullies wrong. I should note, Grace has that confessional before before Paul shows up saying, oh, we were bored, so we were just going to muck around with, with the next team that showed up. Or they, or she said, well, "We're just going to muck around with the with the other teams that show up." But she only mucks around with Paul. She does not muck around when Shay and Andrew show up, nor when Ross and Taryn show up. So that confessional has quite a bit of BS to it. Yeah, I've mentioned a couple of times this season already that a lot of the races were on the UR team number group at the time. And one thing that I vividly remember was Sarah telling us, I think it was when Leg 4 aired, just watch out for Grace. Grace will get far worse, and she does something super obnoxious. And she was referring to this incident with Paul, where all she does for, let's be honest, at least 10 or 15 minutes is just needle Paul, and just try and push his buttons, try and aggravate him, and try and get a reaction out of him. And Paul, because he's had all this growing up, doesn't give in to her. He doesn't let her know that she's annoying him. He just tries to get himself out of that situation as fast as possible. And kudos to Paul for having a good amount of temper here. Because, to be perfectly honest, she should have been pushed in the marina as soon as she started needling him. 
Yeah, read the clue, Paul. Read the clue. He should have just pushed her off the wall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's get you off the race. But it would have been so worth it. <laughs> and then switching that to that psychological tactic of, oh, I was just joking around, Paul. I'll give you a hug. And then Paul says, well, I don't don't want you to touch me. And Grace, you sickened me. And everyone says, ooh. And then Grace says, well, let's, we can, we can talk. I uh, want to talk for five minutes, Paul. No, no, I'm not interested, Grace. Well, well, I'm interested. Thinking after you go out of your way to annoy somebody, it's essentially on their timetable when and if they want to talk to you. Because Grace went really far out of her way to to go after Paul, and then it's oh no, I wasn't having a go at you, Paul. <laughs> Thinking that's not quite how it works. It's not like oh, I can't believe. He doesn't want to hug from me, the only hot girl who's around <laughs> around in this marina right now. I said this to you guys on Facebook when I was watching the episode a couple of days ago. I don't think anyone comes out of this situation very well, but I especially don't think, you may be surprised by this, Sticky and Sam and Michelle and Joe come out of this very well, because they are both sitting there and doing nothing to stop Grace. And arguably, if they think that she's just going to do a bit of friendly banter or whatever, and we know what banter is actually a euphemism for, then it's acceptable. But if she was on at him for 10 or 15 minutes, as I suspect, they did nothing to step in and say, Grace, back off. You don't want to talk to you. Leave him alone now, please. And that's not a good look for them. As much as I love both of those two teams, and arguably, I know there's a chance of us speaking to Sticky and Sam at some point, but I don't think that's a very good look for them. But do you know if they actually did say something? We don't know. Did I ask Shane and Andrew about this? I can't remember. I don't think you did because I don't. They weren't there. That's the thing. Right, they were still in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> yeah, they, they escaped by virtue of being in Abu Dhabi. But I don't think it's a good look on screen, at least, for Michelle and Joe and Sticky and Sam to not have told Grace to just back off and leave him alone which they should have done if they didn't. Yeah, there's a few things I picked up from this episode. One is that Shay and Andrew are still really pissed at Paul going into Istanbul because they hear all of this secondhand, or rather when they use the quote-unquote anonymous U-turn against Paul and Steve, they said, well, it's because of the way Paul treated Grace earlier, but they weren't even around for that, so clearly they just get told about it secondhand, and I'm sure... After the, already their negative experiences with Paul, they're thinking, "Oh, you know, Paul's just overreacting or being was being a bit much." That's you know that's why we U-turned him. And when they talk about the shoving incident later, Michelle and Joe have a confessional about it, saying, "Well, the timing of it with Grace falling after the fight between her and Paul, it just didn't look good." And you just see Michelle and Joe visibly cringe during the confessional which I think indicates that perhaps Sticky and Sam and Michelle and Joe were both, both teams were so uncomfortable during this confrontation that they just didn't want to get involved whatsoever. We just hear both teams say awkward from the sidelines and just hope, well, maybe it's just going to be this one isolated incident. Grace knows she pushed it too far. Paul's not really the person who likes having his buttons pushed. Hopefully this doesn't happen again, and hopefully this doesn't make it onto TV. <laughs> yeah. Obviously Grace comes out of this terribly, and this is the point where Grace 
absolutely goes too far and is the villain of the season for me. But I think if Sticky and Sam and Michelle and Joe just thought they were going to ride it out and try and not pick a side and just be nice to everyone, this isn't the opportunity to do it. You absolutely, regardless of how you feel about Paul personally, need to stand up in this sort of a situation, I think. But you don't know if they did. They didn't show it. That's the thing. I think if they did do it, it probably would have got shown though. You see? Yeah, because the the editors hate Grace. That's the thing. The, the editors in four and a half episodes at this point have gone out of their way at every opportunity to show that Grace is immature and awful to be around and is the villain of the season. They've shown every moment of idiocy that she's had. Mm. And I think if those two teams had not basically sat on the sidelines and hoped that it wasn't going to become a thing, I think they probably would have shown it to undermine Grace even more. But the danger here is in a situation like this, silence is a tacit endorsement. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm, I'm probably making a mountain out of a molehill. They probably did go, Grace, shut the fuck up, please. But because we didn't see it, we can only analyse this based on what we've seen and what was said to us at the time, and that was obviously subject to NDAs and stuff. And I think if they had said something, it probably would have been shown on the screen. Or both teams also didn't get involved because they find perhaps Grace and Paul equally unpleasant in their own ways and thought, well, it's two people that neither of us really care for, therefore neither team wants to be involved. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Paul, as I said last episode, is a complete nightmare to be around when he's in competitive mode. But I think when you see how uncomfortable Grace is making Paul, especially when he refuses to give her a high five and bullies her petty and insecure and she seconds him and all that sort of stuff, I think that's the point where you go, right, Grace, just leave him alone, please. Regardless of your feelings on Paul or Grace personally, I think that's the point where you say, just back off, please. We want this to be a nice experience for everyone involved and you are being a knob. Please shut up. You turn coming up. I would have loved that because then if Grace got there first and just like, yeah, Sticky and Sam called me a knob. I'm just going to anonymous U-turn them and write knob on top of it. So when the Dubai Pearl arrives, Paul gets the first clue because he doesn't want to be around anyone anymore. And it is their detour, which is count them up or price them up. And in count them up, teams must find a spice market square and count a sack of dried limes. Lime? Once they get the correct number, which is unique for each team, they will receive their next clue. Hang on. Why did you say lime like that? It's a Taskmaster reference. Oh. A lime! Okay. In Price Em Up, teams must head to the gold souk and find a marked jewellery stall. Once there, they have to arrange seven pieces of jewellery from most to least expensive to get their next clue. Paul then has a confessional saying that no matter what people do, he's going to bowl them over if they get in his way now, and that is what we call foreshadowing. It's time to uh, to put the smack down on them all. There's another one of his confessionals right here, too. Yeah, there's some brilliant editor's jokes in this in this episode and in the last episode, to be fair. They they foreshadow so much of the unintentional comedy. Grace says in the taxi that she enjoys pushing his buttons and Joseph endorses her doing it because they've got a combined age of about seven. And he went too far, apparently. Michelle and Joe are the first to get to the limes and they are surprised by the fact that it is thousands of limes like they've never seen this program before. Joseph and Grace make a tally as their strategy, like that's not a known thing. And Shane and Andrew are loud when counting, which ends up distracting everyone else. And Paul says he doesn't think that it was intentional, just them being bumbling cops. 
Yeah, he said, yeah, I think they sort of just bumbled into that strategy. I don't think it was well thought out. <laughs> yeah, the best thing is Sarah then does the exact same tactic later. Eight, nine, ten! <laughs> and Lucy and Amelia try to get to the Dubai Pearl, and they ask where they're thinking, oh, it's a boat, right? And, the, and then the driver says, oh no, the Dubai Pearl is a building. And then Lucy says, Dubai Pearl is a building? And Emilia looks at the clue and says, yeah, it says to wait for it. And then Lucy says, how do you wait for a building? And then Emilia <laughs> responds, you just you just wait for it to be built. <laughs> Meanwhile, of course, Lucy's going, yeah, I've got to be out of the UAE in about 10 minutes. Um, can, we, can we hurry this up a little bit? I'm on a pretty big clock because I've been marked as a potential terrorist here. I already see a guy coming at me with the machine gun from the other end of the highway. <laughs> Sticky and Sam accidentally swap to price them up as their driver can't find the lime challenge and they have no experience of jewellery only their ex-girlfriends asking them to buy things and them saying no and that's why they have exes <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good quote from Sticky and Sam that oh, God. Joseph and Grace get rejected with 1512 and Ross and Taryn with 1450 and Sam asks for an eyeglass not that he knows what he's looking for <laughs> yeah, I the, the the jeweler just looked so amused. Like, here you can have the eyeglass, but I don't know if it's going to do you any good. You may as well use this telescope. It's going to have the same effect for you. It just looks cool to use. That's about it. James and Sarah guess twelve fifty four and are wrong, and they then decide to try Sarah's method. And James says he's basically just letting her do what she wants at this point. He's been so browbeaten by a two hour argument with her this morning <laughs> that he's just like, yeah, do what you want now. I don't even care. <laughs> You've stuffed it up twice. Now I want to do it. And Paul gives one of those deliciously schadenfreudery confessionals when he says he's in the top 2% of Australia in terms of IQ. So he should be good at this challenge. And they immediately leave in first. The teams must now travel on foot to the Dera Old Souk station to find their next clue. Caution, anonymous U-turn ahead. Uh, Michael, do you remember a recent thread in one of the mole reddits where it was somebody saying, I have this high of an IQ, and this is my opinion after watching the mole for the first time? Vaguely? Yeah, and then the comments section just railed against him for saying, why does it matter what your IQ is for for posting about the mole? Why, Why would that attract us further into reading this thread? So the guy just got trolled out of the thread, essentially. Yeah, I think with stuff like the, oh, I'm in the top 2% of Australia in terms of IQ, that kind of makes sense as to why people maybe don't like Paul. I think so. I think he probably would be a nightmare to be around. But I th- I think it goes back to the fact that he's a former bullied kid. He just, he wants to excel. And he wants to prove himself and better himself and prove all of these people wrong. And it's a wonderful motivation. But it does come across as arrogance. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a very human trait for people who are bullied to then almost overcompensate to really prove themselves to the people they feel did them wrong. Yeah, the problem is that sort of arrogance then leads you to be a victim of someone like Grace who feeds on people's arrogance for her own amusement. Yeah, or maybe, I'm sure you're surprised to hear this, or maybe Grace isn't going to be thinking, hmm... How did Paul become like this? What possible traits or traits could he have that led him to being a bit arrogant around everybody? She's not going to be thinking, oh, 
I may be reinducing childhood trauma of him being bullied. That's probably not going through her going through her head. Yeah, and and let's be clear, if something like the Paul and Grace situation happened nowadays, production would step in and say, knock it off the two of you. There is no way in hell that they would allow this to fester on a new season. Or just send in the Royal Guard in Dubai, or send them out with machine guns and detain Paul and Grace and say, hey, stop doing that. Okay. You detained me. (laughs) (laughs) You detained into me. So Paul and Steve have to go back to get their bags from the cab as they left them in there before they did the detour. Shane and Andrew guess 1506 and leave counting second, and they have their bags. And despite it being anonymous, Shane and Andrew U-turn Paul and Steve right in front of them and say that it's unfortunate for Steve, but Paul's behaviour with Grace was unacceptable. When they weren't even present for it. Yeah. And they haven't placed above fifth so far, so it is entirely for social reasons, and Paul says that it is cowardice on their part. How is it cowardice? It was in the, I think Paul said it was in the top 2% of the most cowardice moves in <laughs> Australian history. Like, what? It's not cowardice. Oh, jeez. Teams must now fly to Istanbul in Turkey, the only city in the world spanning two continents. And Once there, they must head to the Blue Mosque and find the Sultan who will give them their next clue. And when Lucy and Amelia arrive, Paul and Steve are just heading back to the gold detour and say the words, hello, sexy boys. Michelle and Joe get the same count as each other, so try one less and leave count in actual second with 15-11. And Paul and Steve head to their jewellery store, which is not the same one as Sticky and Sam's, can I point out? Really? Yeah, it's two different stores. Yeah, they labelled it as jewellery store number one and jewellery store number two uh, as a subtitle on screen. Yeah, Sticky and Sam's one is something like the Italian jewellery store, and Paul and Steve's is not. But there's, I think it was three or four stations in each. And they were presumably in their clue told to, to go to one of two, depending on who they are. Yeah. Steve says he has a bit of bling at home and gets it on the second try, leaving Price in actual third. And Sticky and Sam leave Price in fourth eventually. Russ and Taryn leave count in fifth with 1496. And in a brilliant move that I don't think he's talked about nearly enough, Michelle and Joe grabbed a Emirates timetable when they flew into Dubai and find a direct flight at 2.30 borrowing their driver's phone to book it and ensure that they are on the first flight out of the country. Too bad it got delayed. Too bad it got delayed, but (laughs) absolutely brilliant move from Michelle and Joe, I have to say. Yeah, I was thinking, yep, I think I said this during the episode two recap we did, that the things that they're good at, they are really, really good at on the race. Yeah, in terms of all-female teams who are really good, you don't immediately think of Michelle and Joe. You think of the mainly the Canadian teams because they're very good at, at casting successful all-female teams. But people sleep on Michelle and Joe more than you would think they do. They are very, very good when it comes to flights. They're very, very good at certain challenges. Anything with performance or dance or anything like that, they are very good at. And they nail it pretty much every time. And I don't think people really remember them being as good at this sort of stuff as they are. Hmm. Even Lucy and Amelia get annoyed at Sarah's very, very loud counting. And then Joseph and Grace get rejected with 1517, and Grace tells the judge that he is wrong. Oh, how immature <laughs> is that? I'm sorry, that's like what a five year old says. 
I'm wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> this is what I mean about the editors undermining Grace at every opportunity. Any chance they get to show Grace being a knobhead, they will show it. So that's why I think the Sticky and Sam and Michelle and Joseph would have been shown if if it was actually a thing and if it was on camera, because they would have done it to undermine Grace's position. Can you imagine the Weaver family doing the line counting task, trying to count 1,500 limes? Which one would you guys have picked out of interest? Because I think the lime task is very sneaky in terms of being really mean. Because it's a high count. It's a higher count than usual by Amazing Race standards. We've had, Usually it's, what, three or four hundred of something they typically count? Yeah, and you can't cheat off anyone else because they all have different counts. I don't know jewellery very much. I, I really don't. I'd probably do count. And I'm good at counting, you know, I, I count I count all the time, which is just a ridiculous thing to say, but I do count all the time. So I'd pick that. I think in a vacuum, you probably do pick the counting challenge. But when you get there and you see it's 1,500 as most of these are around, I think that's a bit intimidating. You wouldn't know it's 1,500 yet, though, because you haven't counted them. No, but you, you look at a box full of dried limes and you go, holy shit, that's a lot of dried limes. <laughs> I don't know how much it's going to be or if we'll ever know how much it's going to be, but it seems like a lot. Well, I'd have to help, hope my partner knows a jewellery because I have no idea. Yeah, I think if you know jewellery, as Steve obviously does, Steve's probably the best person at this, then it's an easy challenge for you to do. But in terms of just gaming it, there are a lot of permutations to trying to game it. But you yeah. could be stuck at the Lime Challenge for hours. Yeah. Was it Sarah who said, oh, white gold is more expensive? I'm thinking, well, I learned something new today. <laughs> I did love Sarah when they do switch, trying to get some earrings off him because she's lost hers. That did make me laugh. <laughs> yeah. So Joseph patronizes Grace, but she solves the puzzle quickly and they leave Price in sixth. Lucy and Amelia leave Count in seventh with fourteen ninety nine, and James and Sarah leave Price in last. And I also have to point out that Lucy doesn't know Sarah's name five legs into this race. She just calls her Botox. Hmm. And the flight was delayed, so everyone catches up and arrives at 6.55pm. On the way to the Blue Mosque, Lucy and Amelia are incredibly appreciative of being able to see Istanbul, probably because they know they're not going to get machine guns pointed at their faces this time. And they are enjoying seeing everything on the race and just taking everything in. One funny thing with Joseph and Grace at the jewellery task is just Joseph physically pulling Grace away. Just physically lifting her away from the jewellery and just saying, let me do this. You you stand over here. This is a man's detour. <laughs> let your older brother take care of this. And her saying, oh, diamonds are the number one priority. Even my daughter, who was in the room at the time when I was watching it, who's 16, just went, oh, God. Yeah, that's the thing. Joseph and Grace have a dreadful episode from the editors here. The editors bury them at every opportunity. And I don't understand how anyone can say, oh yeah, Paul's the villain of the season. Because Grace has a terrible episode and Joseph comes off nearly as bad as she does in this episode. With the endorsing her needling Paul. And with the, oh don't worry, this is my job. And it's like, I think Grace probably knows a little bit about jewellery maybe start listening to a Joseph. So when they're running to the Blue Mosque, Paul looks around and knocks Grace over with his backpack. Notably, can I point out, we do not see it on screen. 
Yeah. And she shouts at him and calls him a pussy. You fell into me. Nobody comes out of this good. Lucy and Amelia's first instinct is to make sure that Grace is okay. Yeah, she separates Grace and Paul like that. Amelia uses all of her school teacher skills and just separates Grace away from the situation. It's just like, are you okay? Please stop screaming obscenities at him. You are going to attract some attention. But nobody really comes out of this situation very well. Yeah, and then this is where we get Michelle and Joe cringing, thinking, hmm, the timing of when Grace fell and being in close proximities to Paul doesn't look good on TV. <laughs> no, the it's interesting to get that from Michelle and Joe's perspective rather than from Paul's perspective or Joe's from Grace's straight away. And the reason we get Michelle and Joe's is obviously it sets up the next episode with their little interaction with Paul. But I think it's very interesting that they choose Michelle and Joe to be the narrators of this incident rather than any team who's actually involved in it. And this is where we get another hint of Lucy and Amelia's friendship with Paul because they air Amelia's confessional saying, Paul was running really, really fast, clearly not observing what was around him. He would have knocked over anybody <laughs> during yeah. that sprint. Yeah. And I think it is also notable that the only two teams who did not U-turn Paul and Steve are not involved in either of the incidents in this episode. Mm. Only two teams, which was James and Sarah who U-turned Lucy and Amelia, and Lucy and Amelia who U-turned Shane and Andrew, are not involved in either of the incidents between Paul and Grace. This thought just came to my head right now. wonder if Grace was more willing to needle with Paul because James and Sarah and Lucy and Amelia weren't there at the Dubai Pearl when it happened. Where it's like kind of kind of like what some bullies do, right? When they're fr- when the person they want to pick on when their friends aren't around, that's when they jump in to make that person's life miserable. Yeah, I'm thinking the two teams who didn't U-turn Paul just happened to not be there when Grace wanted to pick on Paul. Yeah, and I have no doubt in my mind that if Sarah was there, she would have told Grace to shut the fuck up immediately. Because that's how Sarah is. And Sarah didn't like Grace, for what it's worth. Sarah and Grace had some sort of mistrust with each other when they filmed the season. But I think that Sarah would have immediately stood up for Paul and said, shut up, Grace. Leave him alone. Far more than anyone else did. And I am, as you may have guessed, a little bit disappointed in Michelle and Joe and sticking Sam for us not seeing them tell Grace to shut up and leave him alone. But maybe they did. I might be wrong, but I think we probably would have seen it if they did. And then Paul actually did jump in and he think, well, it couldn't have been intentional because this is the one time where Paul says, I am sorry for doing that. He does. He did apologize to Grace right then saying, I was, I was trying to ignore you as much as humanly possible. The last thing I wanted to do was to be responsible at all for any sort of contact with you. Yeah, and also Paul is self-aware enough to know that the visual of him barreling into a small young woman is not going to reflect well on him on TV. Yeah, knock, physically knocking over the youngest female on the race isn't going to have the best optics. So once they barrel into the Sultan, <laughs> they find out it is a roadblock. Yeah, if Paul just knocks over the Sultan, the Sultan fell over too. It's like, <laughs> Paul, watch where you're running, buddy. You've knocked over Grace, you've run over the Sultan. <laughs> you ran into me. <laughs> the Sultan ran into me. 
I think the Istanbul police are going to be on the Sultan's side in that situation. <laughs> so it's a roadblock which is whose memory won't go to water. Teams must now make their way on foot to the Hagia Sophia, one of the most important religious buildings in the world. One team member must enter and memorize the eight Arabic symbols in the mosque before heading to the nearby Basilica system and aligning the eight symbols on a column. They may only return to the Hagia Sophia once to check their answers, and once they have all eight corrects, a guy dressed as one of the traitors will give them their next clue. Caution, beware of blood-sucking leeches. And by this, I do not of course mean Grace. And it is Paul, Joe, Grace, Sarah, Lucy, Sam, Ross, and Andrew doing this roadblock. I like how the Hagia Sophia, they keep changing whether it's a mosque or a museum every couple years. And they can't figure out whether to let tourists in or to keep tourists out. Yeah, do you know the history of this, Michelle? I know Logan does because he mentioned it on his blog, but... A history of what? Of the Hagia Sophia. Um, well, I know that it was a church originally, um, and... You know, I, I see it and all I can think of is is Tom Hanks, actually, when I see it because of Inferno? No. What was it called? Da Vinci Code. No, but the it was the second sequel, Inferno, yeah. Yeah, so basically the Hagia Sophia was a Catholic cathedral. It then became a Greek Orthodox cathedral and was the largest cathedral in the world for a long, long time. It then became a mosque when um, when the Ottoman Empire was a thing. It then, in 1934, was made a museum by Ataturk when uh, Turkey became independent. And then in 2020, it was reclassified as a mosque despite much international condemnation. And basically, Gosh. nobody outside of Turkey wanted it to become a mosque, but Erdogan insisted. Yeah, because oh. I was in there right before they changed it back to a mosque and they didn't let tourists in again. Yeah. Oh, so you can't go in again? Nope. The Blue Mosque, you can go in, but not that. I think you can on some days now to the Hagia Sophia, at least as of recording, but... It'll change tomorrow. It'll change by the time this podcast is out. You certainly can't go in every day like you could when it was a museum, between 1934 and 2020. Hmm. Interesting. So Lisa the misses the dome and the symbols on her first attempt, as does Sam. Grace is the first to ask for a check and is sure that it's right, but she only has four... And the guy dressed as a traitor sends her back to the Hagia Sophia. Paul yet again brags that he's good at this sort of thing, and he is becoming the first person to leave. And after grabbing their next clue from a leech-covered system, teams must now head to the archaeological museum. The pit stop for this leg of the race, the last team to check in, may be eliminated. Do you find it strange that they can only go back once? Like, in so many seasons of The Amazing Race, anything like this... You can just go back as many times as you want. I found it quite strange that it was only once. It is strange, but I think there's a very good reason for it. And that is the fact that they didn't land till nine o'clock in the evening, and they probably could only get the Hagia Sophia empty for a couple of hours. Hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised they wouldn't do two attempts. One seems a bit brutal, because the first time you don't even know what you're looking for. So really, you only have that one chance to look back. Yeah. And then it's just, then you're just doing random guesswork from there until you have no choice but to take the four hour penalty. The other element of this is the fact that if, as we suspect, they had to change a few of these legs around because of Lucy and Amelia getting arrested and kicked out of the UAE earlier than they anticipated, then they may have had to 
to do the Hagia Sophia stuff at the last minute. Because I think it's fair to say that it probably was meant to be two Dubai legs and they had to cut it short with the limit that Lucy and the camera guy actually had on their passports. They needed to shift them out of that country far faster than they anticipated. Which is why there is a a mid-leg change of location, which they never do in any Amazing Race anymore. They never change countries mid-leg. And B, they only have one challenge. If you compare it to something like the the Turkey-France-Cuba leg that they end up having right after this, they do change countries mid-leg there, but they also have two challenges before the pit stop. Yeah, much different structure. Whereas this one is literally just find the roadblock, do the roadblock, and you go to the uh, the pit stop. So it's incredibly conceivable that they could have just gone, um, where aren't we visiting? Have we got any contacts to the Hagia Sophia? Is there a challenge we can come up with there? Well, they've got those wonderful big Arabic symbols. Let's make up eight columns, quick. We can do that. Get the art department on it. Let's just rent out a cistern and a guy who's dressed as one of the traitors. That'll do. And that stinks of a filler challenge to me. Not that I think that this challenge is a filler one, because it's a wonderful challenge. It's one of my favourite roadblocks they've ever done. But it feels like a last-minute decision and one of those things where it's like, right, what are actually the limits of us being able to do this? They need to be in Turkey. The Hagia Sophia can only only spare us a couple of hours before they've got to lock up. Right, we'll just put a limit in that there's only one one return allowed. That's the way we can do this. Because all the teams will probably be on the same flight, let's be honest. Nobody's going to get themselves arrested or anything. Yeah. I have another I, uh, question about it, though. Go, go Logan, do you want to go first? No, I, I was just going to make a dumb joke saying that, <laughs> according to Paul, that the the leeches there were in the top 2% of being the most blood-sucking out of all the leeches. <laughs> the leeches were sucking into me. God. Oh, my God. Is this going to go on, Michael, for like yep. the next... Oh, Jesus Christ. For the next seven episodes, oh you my can God. bet your ass. <laughs> okay. Um, the other question I had about the challenge, you know how they had to put them in order? This is something that really distressed me. How do they know which one's first? How do they know which one is first in the order? Left to right, I presume. But they never explained, like, where to start when they were looking at the symbols. That sort of stuff will have been on the additional information, I suspect. Yeah, because this really annoyed me. I'm like, how do you know where to start? I mean, obviously, I went to Turkey last month, but I didn't go to Istanbul, so I've never been to the Hagia Sophia. But... I presume that they are all kind of on one wall, so you can conceivably get a left to right. Yeah, but they looked like they were in a circular. They looked like they were going around the room. Yeah, I I presume there was some sort of location that they were told to start from or something. Okay. That distressed me. So it is Joe who leaves in second, and despite the intrigue, Paul and Steve checking in first and win a trip to the Australian Rally Championships worth $10,000. Genuinely cool prize, as I said about Sticky and Sam's similar prize to the uh, Japan MotoGP. Genuinely actually quite a cool prize when Honda's sponsoring new season. Second is Michelle and Joe. And Lucy gets rejected with all of the first six correct. And can I point out, this means that all she has to do to get third place on any leg for her and Amelia, for the first time not second last or conceivably last, is to swap the bottom two symbols over. She was that close to a third place finish and getting out of the ridiculously low average that her and Amelia have at this point. I think it was 7.25 coming into this leg. 
It is the lowest that is entirely possible without getting herself eliminated. <laughs> and they very nearly got third on this leg. People start going back to check the symbols. Andrew gets rejected and runs back. Grace leaves in third with Sam in fourth and Andrew in fifth. And Ross and Lucy are both rejected, as is Sarah. Sticky and Sam overtake Joseph and Grace to check in in third. Joseph and Grace check in fourth. Shane and Andrew in fifth. Lucy gets rejected again and apologises to Amelia. And she says that if she gives up, it will be a four-hour penalty. Ross is rejected with only three correct and has a bit of a hissy fit. And Terrence says that the hardest thing is knowing that Ross is a lot smarter than some of those who have got through ahead of them. Which is not a very nice comment for the editors to put in. Sarah is rejected and James suggests that she gets a bit strategic and takes the penalty earlier than anyone else. They take the penalty and leave in sixth, although the lower third says that they're leaving in seventh. Lucy leaves in seventh and Amelia says it's so exciting to know that they weren't last. James and Sarah arrive in sixth, but obviously get the four-hour penalty and have to sit in a garden. Ross suggests that they take the four-hour penalty and hope that it's a non-elimination leg. Lucy and Amelia checking in sixth for the first time ever not coming in the lowest safe position. Ross and Taryn arrive last, and that means that James and Sarah checking in seventh, Ross and Taryn checking in last place, and are marked for elimination, meaning that they must come in first or receive a 30-minute penalty at the next pit stop. I like when Lucy and Amelia check in when Grant says, Lucy and Amelia, you're, you're team number six. And he's more shocked than they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know there's still two other teams, right? This mm. isn't the way you do things, guys. Can you not just drag your heels a little? Yeah. And James, James definitely had the right move here. Of, okay, we've got Ross... And we've got Lucy doing this roadblock. We've been here a long time. We can bank on at least one, if not both of them, eventually taking the four-hour penalty. It's essentially a redo of that lantern task from Mason Race Australia 1, where a very similar situation happened, where was it Mo and Moss took the penalty before Anne-Marie and Tracy did. Well, from James's point of view, if he's thinking strategically... Obviously, on the surface of it, you go, well, yeah, probably another team's going to take a penalty here. We'll probably be safe out of it. But also, if you take a penalty, you get a longer pit stop. If they have a 12-hour pit stop here, which I think it probably was, they get another four hours on top of that if another team takes a penalty straight after them and ends up checking in last. So they then get 16 hours of rest, and they've been on the road for at least 10 days at this point. They must have been shattered. So it's not the worst strategic move if you just want to rest, as well as obviously on on top of that, probably ensuring your own safety. And he was probably thinking, well, if we take the four-hour penalty and it's a non-elimination leg two and somebody else has taken the four-hour penalty, if not both Ross and Lucy end up taking it, then those are multiple teams who will be at the same level as us going into the next leg that we'll be ahead of, and then probably by the following leg, we'll have an equalizer up ahead. And I'll say this now, before I inevitably rant next episode, I like March for Elimination as a, as a non-elim twist. It is probably my favourite one of those that they do. However, in this season, it's not the most well-thought-out twist. No. Yeah, the next leg, it, you... This leg really determines who gets eliminated because of the way that the next leg is set up. If you go into it with the mindset that probably they were anticipating doing two legs in Dubai, 
but then the Lucy and Amelia thing happened, there would have been a chance for Ross and Taryn to catch up. As it is, they probably shouldn't have done what they did in Leg 6. And that's all, that's all I'll say to tease for next week, because I really, really don't like Episode 6. It's the one major dud. Yeah, it's the one episode of this season I think is a bad episode. Arguably, I can make an argument for Episode 8 as well, but Episode 6 is by far the worst episode of this season. Yeah, I think I had it by far dead last in my rankings in my blog, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's going to be a rare episode this season where I am not happy with Amazing Race Australia 2. Does that mean your notes are going to be smaller, or would they be longer because of the annoyance? No spoilers, but probably shorter, to be honest, Michelle. I know you're complaining <laughs> There's about There's not a whole lot to cover for next round. No, it's yeah. just going to be a, oh my god, production, you fucked up royally here, episode. I'm picking up on the subtle hint from Michelle. She probably hasn't got anything else to say about this episode. Have you got anything um, else you want to say, Logan? <laughs> no. I think I said it all. Anything else from you, Saunders? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Good. In that case, thank you for listening to our Amazing Race Australia recap. We'll be back next week to recap the infamous episode six. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at Logs of Quacky. Michelle is Beth with And I'm MJ Helmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash RTVWarriors. See you next week. Bye. Peace out and just chill till the next episode. I like making that longer every time for you, Michelle. That was really long. I think it was the longest you've ever done.